Knowledge Products presents The United States at War, narrated by George C. Scott. This is World War II. Karl von Clausewitz, a 19th century military theorist, observed that war is the continuation of politics by other means. It could be said that World War II was the continuation of World War I, but with greater violence and with less regard for the values of civilization. World War II grew out of the unfinished business of the First World War. But major changes in the structure of European politics ensured that this second, bloodier war would differ from the first. To understand the causes and developments of World War II, it is necessary to step back to the end of World War I. The First World War had shaken the traditional European order to its foundations. It also introduced onto the scene two non-European powers of enormous military and industrial potential, that is, the United States and Russia. Given the size and political ambitions of these new powers, some observers had dimly glimpsed the outlines of a bipolar world order. The United States and Russia would now supplant the exhausted states of Europe. In 1835, the great French classical liberal, Alexis de Tocqueville, had predicted this shift of world power toward America and Russia. Their starting point is different, and their courses are not the same. Yet, each of them seems marked out by the will of heaven to sway the destinies of half the globe. The First World War caused the eclipse of Europe as the center of world power. There was the dissolution of two major states, the Austro-Hungarian Empire and the Ottoman Empire. Out of their ruins, a cluster of weak states was created. These states included the German-speaking Austria, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, and enlarged Romania, and the Republic of Turkey. These states were established according to the principle of nationality championed by American President Woodrow Wilson. The principle was, each linguistic ethnic people needed its own national state. But in the multi-ethnic realities of Europe, the national principle foundered. Each new state seemed to contain its own discontented ethnic minorities who wanted to join some other state. Tsarist Russia was also shattered by World War I. In 1917, the cataclysm of war ushered in a popular revolution, and the Bolshevik party, under the direction of Nikolai Lenin, seized leadership of this revolution. At Brest-Litovsk, Lenin's regime agreed to an early peace with Germany on terms very unfavorable to Russia. These Russian concessions allowed the post-war revival of Poland, which had been partitioned between Russia, Austria, and Prussia in the 18th century. These sessions also allowed the creation of Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. The Soviet leaders busied themselves with the consolidation of their power and with the domestic struggle against forces still loyal to the Tsar. Gradually, Russia withdrew from the European theater. The danger of global revolution alarmed the victorious allies. Revolution seemed to be in the air, in the colonial world as well as in the developed nations. The First World War saw the Russian Revolution, a revolution in Mexico, and the Easter Rebellion of 1916 in Ireland. There were stirrings of revolt in China and French Indochina. The old fabric of society was shredded. In Germany, the Kaiser had abdicated, and the moderate left was in power. The Turks began to modernize their society along nationalist, statist lines. 
Border skirmishes broke out, including a war between Greece and Turkey, and another between Poland and Russia. In both Bavaria and Hungary, short-lived communist republics seriously frightened conservatives. The balance of world power seemed to be swinging wild. It would have taken extraordinary goodwill and statesmanship to reconstruct the old European order. Unfortunately, both these qualities were absent. The new revolutionary government of Soviet Russia threw open the Tsarist archives, which revealed various sordid deals made by the Allies. European relations overflowed with recrimination and suspicion. At the end of World War I, President Wilson had proposed a program called the 14 Points, which was intended to smooth these troubled waters. In his war message to Congress on April 2, 1917, President Wilson had declared... The world must be made safe for democracy. Its peace must be planted upon the tested foundations of political liberty. We have no selfish ends to serve. We desire no conquest, no dominion. We seek no indemnities for ourselves, no material compensation for the sacrifices we shall freely make. We are but one of the champions of the rights of mankind. We shall be satisfied when those rights have been made as secure as the faith and the freedom of nations can make them. These sentiments ran aground on the shoals of European post-war politics. The representatives of the three great powers, Wilson of America, Clemenceau of France, and Lloyd George of England, instead began to carve up the globe according to their own interests. Of Wilson's 14 points, the post-war settlement of Europe violated two in particular. These were the first and the fifth point. The first point called for public disclosure of all war settlements. Open covenants of peace, openly arrived at, after which there shall be no private international understandings of any kind, but diplomacy shall proceed always frankly and in the public view. The fifth point asked for the fair treatment of colonies. A free, open-minded, and absolutely impartial adjustment of all colonial claims based upon a strict observance of the principle that in determining all such questions of sovereignty, the interests of the populations concerned must have equal weight with the equitable claims of the government whose title is to be determined. Other points of Wilson's plan that were debated included freedom of the seas, equal access to world markets, the revival of Poland, and the territorial integrity of all nations, great and small. The Treaty of Versailles, which officially ended World War I, flew in the face of these professed aims. Point one concerning open covenants had been violated already by secret Allied agreements. Point five concerning colonial adjustments would be violated when German colonies passed into the victor's control without even a nod to the indigenous peoples. At the Versailles Peace Conference, German representatives were sequestered in a separate compound behind barbed wire. Then they were summarily presented with the completed treaty and told to sign. The German representatives were stunned. But the German military had collapsed, and Germany's internal affairs were in chaos. 
They had no choice but to sign the treaty, or the Diktat, as it was pejoratively called in Germany. This dictated peace was sufficiently harsh that even moderate German politicians sought its eventual overthrow. As one American historian later observed, the Treaty of Versailles virtually wrote several chapters of Adolf Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, or My Struggle. Hitler had prophetically observed. These treaties whose demands are a scourge to nations, not seldom strikes the first roll of drums for the uprising to come. What were some of the terms which caused such unrest? For one, the treaty transferred Germany's colonial possessions to the victors. Especially important was the return of the territory of Alsace-Lorraine to France. Also, the revival of Poland as a nation resulted in forced cessions of territory from Germany. These cessions became an important German grievance. The port of Danzig, a largely German city located on the Baltic, was declared a free city under Polish supervision. In addition, the Polish Corridor, a narrow strip of land which gave Poland access to the Baltic and which separated East Prussia from the rest of Germany, was ceded to Poland. A post-war plebiscite, which took place amid charges of fraud and intimidation, led to their ceding a part of Silesia to Poland. The Poles used their political control over Danzig and the Polish Corridor as an economic weapon against the Germans. Another bone of contention was the issue of war guilt, that is, who had been responsible for the war. An Allied commission found that deliberate attempts had been made to cause a war. The war was premeditated by the Central Powers, together with their allies Turkey and Bulgaria, and was the result of acts deliberately committed in order to make it unavoidable. Germany in agreement with Austria-Hungary, deliberately worked to defeat all the many conciliatory proposals made by the Entente powers. This